Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's not, it's not clean. Happy Friday, the last day of the Utah legislative session. So many people are going to breathe a sigh of relief because they don't have to hear about it on the news anymore. And you guys don't have to keep working on bills. Either way, uh, we will be happy to have it done and uh, another one in the books. Before we get to the legislative session, though, there's always so many things to talk about. We've been talking about how it is uh, filing season, kind of hunting season as you're finishing up the legislative session. Uh, all kinds of people running for all kinds of races today. Evan McMullen uh, officially filed, I believe, uh, to run for U.S. Senate, hoping to unseat Senator Mike Lee. And um, I understand that one of our guests here today, I should introduce who you are in case you're new, Mara Carabello from the Xero Group and Greg Hughes. Citizen Hughes. All right. You can be whatever you want to be. But tonight, you're going to be emceeing a benefit for MC Hughes. That's right. Without the turntables. Yeah. Are Who you, knows? I've never seen you emcee before. So are you kind of like a loose, loose fun canon? Yes. Are you very serious? I don't know about fun, but I just do it don't anything I want. Don't you think I it's want. situational? I mean, Heidi, if we're picking and choosing, I would probably go watch him do one of his boxing matches, not maybe a Republican fundraiser. <laughs> I don't know if this is the funnest, the most fun side of I Greg Hughes. I feel like he might do them... Maybe the same, like whether he's at a boxing yeah, or right. a what I find event. What I find kind of fun is that they gave me what they call the run of show. Run of show is how they think this is supposed to run, how the show's supposed it's to go. It's not going to? Well, I just hate what they want me to do, so I'm just going to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So, but that's, like I'm supposed to introduce, so what it is, is it's uh, Senator Lee is having a, uh, I I don't know if it's a fundraiser or a don't rally. You? But are you I, not sure? I'm not even sure the event I'm sure attending, but we are having a... Money. I think we you are, have to pay it's a start, Yeah, it's a attend. fundraiser. Yeah, it's pretty much a fundraiser. I, but I am encouraging them to go to their caucus meetings, and so there's a lot of you know grassroots uh, encouragement going on yeah. at this meeting as well. So it's kind of a rally that way. But here's the thing. Um, they... Uh, Senator Rand Paul is, is, is in town. He's going to be there. Uh, Governor Christy Nome is going to be here for Senator Mike Lee. And I love these two leaders, and they are national leaders, not just a respective senator from Kentucky or uh, the governor of South Dakota. They are, in my opinion, national leaders. So they want me to introduce them and bring them onto the stage. Well, they have these bios, but I think they are boring. So I'm going to introduce them spice it up. as I know them or how I have observed them during the last couple of years and why I'm excited for them to be here. So Greg, frankly, I'm going I off think script. you are talented enough to do a rap. If I, I just want to no, plant uh, that. I just think you're talented enough. Heidi, this is a trick by Mara to make me I feel like it's a trick too because what was it? A.G. Sean Reyes. She's trying to crash He wrapped it uh, at a stage event while he was running. Yeah, and I don't know if that really was like the best press. But Greg Greg is a lot more talented. No, I I won't. You will not. (laughs) You're not tricking me, Mara. I know exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to ruin this for me. No. I won't YouTube. do that. We could use it on the podcast next week oh, if you nice. do. Yes. Nope. Not it'll be our happen. open music. I won't do it. Anyhow, it'll be interesting to watch because um, 
Senator Mike Lee well ahead. I think he's fundraised maybe $4 million for this race altogether. He spent a bunch, and I forget how much he has left. Uh, the last quarter, when you look at it, he was outfunded or outfundraised by Evan McMullen. So we'll see how this all yeah, goes. It doesn't, I'm not worried at all. I hope that you don't cost him any money tonight. <laughs> No, with, I, with I, your jokes. I hope. Well, <laughs> they're not like canned jokes. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just going freestyle. That's all. Okay. You Are know? they giving away dogs tonight at all? <laughs> I hopefully ask because I was the MC of a benefit once, and you know the read with the room thing. Uh, they brought it up and it was an auction, and I was the audience was so dead they just were not there with us, and so I was holding this puppy and I joked that I'd throw it out into the audience if someone wanted to hold it or like try it out. People lost their minds. <laughs> I, I like, feel so like I was funny. at that fundraiser. I think. What did you feel uncomfortable? It no. was the University of Utah fundraiser, yes. like for medicine of some no, sort. No, but I think things like that are <laughs> funny. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, because we're always. It was the end of the night. People have been drinking a lot. Usually, you mm. know, you can loosen up then. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not no. happening. Yeah. So anyhow, don't don't even like no dog don't even jokes. joke that way. No dog Okay. I was really not going to throw the dog. Just so how much know. is the fundraiser? Is this going to be a hoity toady crowd? Yeah. I think it's yeah. You guys are fancy. Thousand dollars. I think I saw some email. It was. Yeah, that's what I think. Is it, it. a but fancy anyhow. crowd or is it the everyday American? That's no. what's fancy to me because I don't know if I like anyone enough to spend a thousand dollars. You're not that. You're not them. bringing in these big names to talk to everyday America. No. Yeah, you are. Those are everybody loves them. They are great leaders. I. Samara, would you I like agree. to go spend a thousand dollars tonight? Well, oh she. My gosh. Everything I they say, she's my on the hair uh, yeah. tonight. <laughs> she just. I have, truth is I have like that's anathema to, to Mara. She just runs from the truth. Yes. She doesn't want to hear the truth. I'm going to go into some liberal bubble tonight <laughs> and do whatever liberal bubble people do. Yeah. You. All right. Two hundred forty-eight days till the election. <laughs> Mara came in here really prepared. Uh, before we move on, yeah. you were looking at the list because while people are filing today, there's been some shifts. So people who might have thought they could run where they normally did had to you know walk over a couple streets or change around were there any surprises when you looked at it no not that so i heidi's talking about i I printed out the filing list so you have to have filed for your office by five o'clock today and there's been a little a little kerfuffle with current legislators it puts a lot of pressure on them to have to file last week of the session that's Um, never happened before and yeah and to figure that out so i was just seeing if there was anything unexpected i don't know that there is i think one thing is there's a lot of contested races there's some inter-party contested and almost everyone has a couple of people greg and i were talking about this the united party so the united utah party yeah they have some showers i mean they they clearly made an effort to to get folks out and filed this year. You know, it looks like on our federal districts, um, the federal, Chris Stewart has two, uh, Erin Ryder, who is a Republican and she is an attorney. And then J-Mac, those of you who listen to KSL, J-Mac, and he is running again. So, um, I'm not and calling ran, odds on win loss, but that's a that's an active race. Those yep. are people who that are is going active. To, and he did J Mac run against Burgess Owens last time? I did all these interviews. That was that was like that. I, I think remember. that was the like that was uh, the same race, right. the, the same fourth, district, yeah. the fourth that was district. a busy. There were a lot of people running. So for he's that. moved up to Chris Stewart's mm. um, seat, and then the House Carpet and Senate, bagger. and then the House and Senate does have 
a couple of Republican inner parties. There's some open seats. I think um, a senior member of the Republican Party, Tim Hawks, isn't running for re-election. Right. We've got a couple of senators. Janie Awamoto's not running again. So there's some others. Representative Stephanie Pitcher in the House moved is into going to run for Senator Iwamoto's seat. As are three or four other people. Yeah, that is so, not going. That They're not giving that seat away. No. So she's got some competition inside the Democrat Party. I think we're going to have a rigorous local election. So what yeah. I want to start watching for is... Yeah, the federal government stuff's going to be interesting about who wins House and Senate and all that. And what um, what happens to the run-up to the presidential. But I would just remind us, I think the local House races and Senate races are going to be so, interesting. So, in another one, another one, I don't often notice the, the races in the Democrat side that I think are going to be barn burners. But here's one, Derek Kitchen versus Jen Plum, right. Doc, Dr. Plum. So, that's a sitting wow. senator who's being challenged inside the party, the Democratic Party. Yes. And, and Dr. Plum has been an advocate on the... Um, on behavioral health, addiction, uh, mm-hmm. teaching people how to use, what's the thing that you can, the Narcan, adrenaline, Narcan. Your, Narcan, that mm-hmm. you can, the ad- adrenaline to help save people's lives if mm-hmm. they're having an overdose. She's given, a, she's already been a, a citizen soldier and has given so much to the community. That, that race will be interesting to watch because there's redistricting that plays into that as well, that that district does not look like the same one that Senator Kitchen won when he ran for the right. first time four years ago. So and uh, I've watch that race. Some displeasure, like nothing specific, but just general displeasure with maybe some of the things he's been doing. I don't know if the specifics are. Well, there was yeah. some drama with, uh, with uh, he was Senator Kitchen from his committees, uh, right? and Senator Reby uh, in particular this session over some uh, politics, uh, wrangling and leadership within the minority party and some of the decisions they made that uh, the senators on, on the whole thought were, um, uh, we're not of good taste or good process. So anyway, that's but that's kind of inside baseball. I we'll see how that race plays out among in, on the mean streets of that district. And speaking right. of doctors, uh, Suzanne Harrison, she's going from the House to running to the I think the open seat in the council in Salt Lake County, the county wide seat. County-wide it's not seat, open. Yeah. It's held right now by Richard Snellgrove. He's an incumbent. He has a great last name. I mean, he if we look at last name. Uh, recognition is a really huge step to getting reelected. And Richard Snellgrove has really high name ID. Suzanne Harrison is known for being a voracious worker, right? She will knock and raise money and have at it. But I will say the countywide seat this year is going to be a tough one. And so this will be a a pretty big battle. It's an interesting move too. I, I support the move because it shows how important the county government is. Mm-hmm. Sully County is the second largest government in the state and it actually fills the gap. If you, if you, if, if at the top of your list is arts and open space and things like that, the county actually fills that funding gap more than the state does. And uh, so it becomes in a really important governmental structure. And the Republicans have had a foothold like they've never had in the last kind of 18 months. They have. They gained and a seat so, last election. They have a, a larger majority on the council. So that'll be quite. And, and and she'll represent a lot more. It's a lot more expensive to run countywide. People shouldn't underestimate because of the household density. Mm. You really have to raise a ton of money. So she jumped. She, she got redistricted and she has jumped to a county race. It's interesting to watch because I look at her, I look at all these other doctors, lawyers, whatever you are, and I'm like, first of all, how do you go home and be a mom or a dad, uh, work and be a surgeon, and then on the side run for office? So right. good on all it, of you. It is a this. family enterprise, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, they don't spend, the, their family really is who takes a, a sacrifice. Absolutely. So uh, It's true. It is.
Has your family sacrificed, or has it been like a nice break when you run? They for were office like, "Thank and goodness." Like, <laughs> well, right, here's my, another. My, my seat you children were so dad. young when I ran; they didn't know what life uh, with me not running or being a public servant even felt like. So they didn't they didn't have anything to compare it to. But they're older now. I mean, I just have my youngest is a senior in high school now, and and so. But uh, you know what? It I'm enjoying this new season of my life, and I I while I love I loved my time in service, and I still love public policy. I'm not wishing that I was still a house member right now. I'm watching these filings and I'm not saying, well, oh, I wish I was filing right now. I'm actually glad I'm not. All right. Yeah. It's a nice relaxing feeling. I guess when you have to go out and knock doors, you can do whatever you want in your sweatpants on Saturday. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the State of the Union, which already feels like it was a month ago, but right. that was this week. Uh, was there a State of the Union? There was did, a did State that of the even Union. happen? All right. Well, I guess we're not talking to you. Mara, did you watch? <laughs> That's my comment. Did you get what you wanted from the president? You know, I'm going to I'm gonna toe a really pendant line, which is <laughs> to say, I think he did what he needed to do. It was not the best speech we've ever heard in history, but it was good. The opener was good. The closer was a little softer than it needed to be. Um, I thought that he really did what he needed to. And for uh, President Biden, I think it was a pretty good speech. He had a lot of energy in his voice. Um, if you just look at it from the craftsmanship of delivery, he sort of clapped and did everything he needed to do. So one thing I want to bring up that, that I've been talking about this week that was more interesting to me than sort of the normal punditry on the, the State of the Union. The faces of the women behind the him? The women behind him were doing some weird stuff. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? So Kamala Harris looked like she was reading along on the teleprompter. So note to the vice president, don't read along. And and. Nancy Pelosi, I just couldn't figure out sometimes what she was doing. She was like creepy smiling sometimes. <laughs> like it was like the the two different faces. And I never want to be in a rally, right. whether you're at church or you're at uh, the State of the Union. Because if you're sitting right behind the speaker, you've got to make sure you know what your face is doing. That's right, all the time. But Nancy was crazy smiling. I should call her Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. And then the Vice President... I think she was trying so hard to be businesslike that she yeah. never looked pleasant or showed her teeth to smile. It was always like these scrunched up faces. Maybe it was the teleprompter reading. Yeah, I, but I'm I like, did get distracted happening? by what was going on. Yeah, I, um, yeah. I got to tell you, I have experience in this. Nobody watches the state of the state when the governor does it. Right. But I sit behind him as well as the speaker, as well as right. the Senate president. And to the, your point, Heidi, and my wife would say, because my wife would sit with me and the, spe and the yeah, president, right. Senate president's wife sits next to him. And she'd say, or where's your phone? Next to, he's next hey, to her. Well, I'm, I, I'm talking about my She would take President your President Niederhauser you. and his spouse and me and my wife. Right. She's like, where's your phone? Because I know you will look at it while this is going yeah. on. And everyone will see you just looking at your phone right. instead of paying attention. She would like, she would, because it. it, yeah, it, it does take distract me at some time. There's so, not enough action going on with the speaker you're watching, you so you ready do start looking around. It's <laughs> and tough. I do read the teleprompter. I'd read his whole speech <laughs> while he's giving it. I would read the whole teleprompter yeah, the whole time. Yeah, but your lips didn't move. No, yeah. I, they, right. they didn't. They well, didn't move. They didn't. Well, I do have to applaud the president for, I guess, not going after anything crazy controversial. He didn't talk uh, January 6th. He didn't talk specifics on some of the things he wanted passed that had failed. But the interesting, because I think the country right now needs something to just be agreeable on. The one thing I thought was weird, though, is while he didn't specifically name them, I felt like he was repitching some of the things that Congress has already looked at and given him a hard no vote or skipped over on, and he still really wants the human infrastructure package. Is that the feeling you got, Mara, when you listened? No, I, mean, no? I think it wasn't subliminal. I think he really did want to reassert it. I think from their calculus that they were pretty close on 
components. I don't think anyone thinks the totality is going to come forth again. But I think there were components that he is still not ready to let go of. It's an unusual position to be in. Usually you've wiped the board by this and you move on to a new board. He chose not to do it, but I think it was an intentional calculus. I don't Mm -hmm. think it was... I, you know whether it works or not. I think it was intentional. I think I think the, the the most important part of his speech, and and all kidding aside, I think it's important to watch our president's State of the Union without regard to party affiliation. The pr- first part with t- speaking about Russia and Ukraine and the tragedy that that whole situation is and what's happening there. Uh, I think people want to hear uh, the perspective and kind of uh, hear from our president. After that, I think he mailed it in with the, with the exception of he's kind of really pivoted away from defunding the police and really spent some time talking about funding the police and, and restoring public well, safety, in, which in I think is a Joe different Biden, narrative. Joe Biden has never been anti-law enforcement. Joe well, Biden, now you can anti, talk about, he, no, you can talk about the Democrats. He a lot of that rhetoric go by no, in 2020 that he never corrected. You can talk about corrected. AOC, you can talk about the he left He never wing, corrected some of that, but, those narratives in that Joe race. But Joe Biden has been as pro-law enforcement as, as a senator, any elected as official. The, so it would be entirely unfair to say Mara, Joe Biden pivoted on I would, funding. I'll give I you that as a senator he was, but not as a candidate for president he was I not. Joe Biden has supported law enforcement. I think he's been more quiet on it. I think that's why it was probably important for him to say that because... See, Heidi Heard me. I think Why that he probably ran more centrist as a Democrat than the others. It was a very left-leaning race, and I think that he's adopted a lot as president, even though he ran as a more centrist Democrat. He's adopted yeah. a lot more of what you could call the left wing of the party's yeah. um, stances, and so I, I think maybe people were wondering, would he go that no, way? No, I think this team? was Joe going back to Joe land, right? Yeah. He, I, As a centrist um, person myself, I liked that he essentially said, listen, I'm going back to my sweet spot, which is get something done, guy. All, the only reason he got the nomination was because that's right. who that people thought he was. And but, I hope he doubles down on being productive over setting up the Democrats in the partisan way. And somebody's got to do it, but I hope it's not President Well, it hasn't worked. There's no one that thinks the midterms are going to treat the Democrats very well. And he went all in on that leftist agenda when he got elected, and it's not worked. It's not not produced anything, but I think problems. So I think he's got to go back to old centrist Joe. That's, That's why he got elected. I remember when we talked about that race, and there was someone that was clearly way to the left but said we have to get biden or we won't win we can't right. we have to have someone that's closer to the center so but he hasn't governed in closer to the center since he's been elected he's been he's allowed that left wing of the party to kind of drive their agenda i think that is there is that attempt at a reset yeah it'll be interesting because the democrats are more centrist right now than the republicans are and i think that's probably good for both parties going into the midterms Speaking of centrism, you'll never get to a news topic because you just say things that just no, no, make, that was agreed. I wasn't, I wasn't. You were, but I'm telling you that the Republican Party is more for the everyday American people than the Democrats ever were historically. Okay, see, I'll let that go. Were you guys happy we, to see Senator Mitt Romney and Manchin sitting together? I always watched to see who their guests were, but because of COVID protocols that are essentially gone because we made it to can. the State of the I, Union, they couldn't. But I just can't tell if that means that Romney's going to vote left or if that means oh, Manchin's going to vote right. Please. I just don't this know who's influencing who in Greg that. And in I. That, you know what happened and, and Manchin explained it? He said, you know what, we just wanted to show that it's bipartisan. It, that's all that it was. It was a good, it was who's nice. Who's influencing who in that it little? It was nice. Who I think cares? Romney invited Manchin to next to him. But when you watch the two shots, depending on like who was taking them, uh, they were definitely, aside from Ukraine, standing at different times and clapping at different times. Yeah, no, they yeah. are who they are, but good for them for showing what Greg says he talks about <laughs> all the time, which is you can be friends. You can, you can respect and appreciate each it's, other. 
Before yes. we move on from this topic, I do want to ask you about the Boebert outburst. I think a lot of people were hoping the president would in some way address Afghanistan. Obviously, they avoided it for reasons that it's not very popular to talk about. Was it wrong for that outburst to happen in what is supposed to be a dignified... Yeah, yes, and I, I'll tell you, I think there need, you need to maintain a level of decorum. I mean, there are applause lines and there are things like that. And I, and I think that outburst period, regardless of, of who's holding the, what party holds the presidency at that time, I just don't think they're appropriate. However, we give a lot of attention when there's a Democrat president to those outbursts. But when we hear them or see them uh, and there's a Republican president, I don't see everybody. There's no pearl clutching when it happens on the other side. It's it's it seemed to be accepted more often. So anyway, I, I don't like outburst periods. True, Nancy Pelosi uh, ripped up Trump's speech too, and I'm there's, like, there's theatrics, and, just, and I just never see anyone get as upset garbage. when it's a Republican president like I do when it's a Democrat president. Because I remember when there was an outburst with when President Obama was giving his speech as well. But I don't see the I don't see an even handed application of decorum Let's or the commentary classy. about decorum. This this continued selling of victimization of Republicans, I think, it's is just not, you know, awesome. It's not victimization great. to so call let's keep, balls and let's strikes. Keep, I'm like, calling balls and strikes here. That's all I'm doing. I'm just saying. But selective logic, here's the one selective thing, outrage. What I like and I'm to not. see about I this, to call it, it tended by everyone to come back on the heckler, and I think that's where it should be. All right. Whoever it is, that was not a partisan statement. It's just I like that the blowback hecklers was Hecklers can go either way. Hecklers can go either yes. way. All right. Uh, this is something I didn't expect to have in the news this week, um, but a no-confidence declaration. It's not a vote. It's a declaration from uh, former prosecutors in the Utah County Prosecutor's Office. They uh, filed a letter against the current Utah County attorney, um, David Levitt, saying that they don't have confidence in the way they're running their office. They're saying that police officers don't have confidence. Uh, they're saying prosecutors are leaving because of this. Uh, I'm trying to decide. I'm going to let you go first, Greg, on this one. I, look, it, there's no one that would say you have to do this. For this to rise this level and to see that this is happening, I think there is a problem in that office. So you don't think it's politics? Well, it will certainly color the politics, and I think that they know that it will, but I think it's serious enough that they think that something like this has to be done. This, is, this isn't something you see. Uh, this isn't part of the campaign elections process. This is outside of that. And for people to put their names to this and, and to really make this kind of a statement, a strong statement, uh, there's some there. I believe there are some authentic and genuine concerns that uh, they, that these these former prosecutors want people to. Know. I agree. So what do this we do is, about it? This is noteworthy because I asked several people. And none of us have seen this before. So this no. is noteworthy. I mean, this, so aside from whatever the, the grievances are, you have to listen to how unusual this is. It's particularly unusual because several of these people are no longer within the constraints of the office. So, I mean, they, they, they don't maybe benefit necessarily from this. Um, also that the fraternal, the, the police also um, had a vote of no confidence. That's a little more regular just for, just for viewers that, watching. That's true. Like, that's that, true. That, that those unions often exercise a voice of no confidence but to have which is rank important and file but members, you've seen it before yeah and it, it matters but yeah. but you've seen it before the question will be what you said Heidi who does what and after because it's not a legal action it's it's truly well said in that it's a vote of no confidence so they want so, us to investigate and look more into it and figure a, out what it is it's a way to bring attention um to what they see as a problem they're they're raising either an ethics or a procedural flag but it has no teeth so the answer to what's next is pretty wide open and it'll see whether it 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 happens politically whether it happens procedurally but this is to note because it, i can't find anyone who who 
thinks that this is uh, average. Yeah, it's it's yeah. you don't see this. It's, Maybe I don't it talk makes, to enough prosecutors, but I have never heard right. it. No, yeah. it, I, there's a weight to it because yeah. of of it. It doesn't you, it doesn't happen. So it needs to. You can't blow it off, and you can't just slough it off as oh, this is a silly season of politics. Not this is actually not. That's not what. We, this doesn't happen. So we got to look take into note. it. And the interesting thing is, too, as you mentioned, I think over the years I've heard from police often because I think they're the ones on the ground digging, working on mm-hmm. these cases sometimes for years. And when they don't get picked up or carried or it just gets let go, I think there's an overwhelming frustration with prosecutors sometimes or the district attorney. But this seems to go beyond that, like right. you said. So, all right, we're going to be keeping a close eye on that and see what happens next. Uh, the legislative session as we're recording, it's 3.08 p.m. on a Friday, so they've got almost nine hours left. I think there was 130 bills they were starting the day out with. Uh, they'd be talking about, I want to go over your personal hits and misses before we move on to uh, some of the things going through. Uh, what was, did you have any big hits where you're like, home run, Greg, home run? Well, there was an extraordinary amount of what they call surplus. Taxpayers paid more money into the state coffers than what fiscal analysts predicted or pr- projected would be received uh, that's what a surplus is. Uh, the, the way that this, the legislature, they cut taxes at the beginning of the session, and then they are, I think, in historic ways, funding some critical infrastructure issues. Uh, there's just, there's a, a lot of, that budget had $2 billion in surplus, and I think they're, they're picking very smart ways to invest in the state and its growth. And so I think that's a hit. I think that's a good thing. Or, yeah, that's a hit. I was thinking, this, now, hit sounds pejorative, yeah. but it's not a miss. Yeah. It's a hit. Yeah. I do so hope that's we're using thing. the money wisely because I know a lot of it is coming from federal money and dollars too, which is part of what's probably feeding the inflation. So if we're going to have inflation, let's use the money wisely. Uh, are you the same hit or is that a big miss for you? No, same hit in that one of the things we did well is fund in large amounts. So Utah came in to the federal money, the COVID money, the three tranches really of federal money, I believe with a critical mindset, which is to say, we are in the fortunate position of having planned well, and we don't necessarily need to pay for day-to-day infrastructure. So, hey, let's not do that. Let's go in with big generational things. Let's go in with some big ticket items. And I think they've done that really well, and I think we have spent our surplus really well. It would be a small miss for me in that I still think you should have targeted the um, tax cut, but, you know, that 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 we've discussed and, and it's okay. So I Targeted think those were, as in the food tax. Yes, I would yeah. have I would have had it more towards the lower end of the economic spectrum. I think that by and large the upper end is doing just fine. So, but I think overall the big hit was it is really hard to spend that much money. I mean, it's that's a that's a first class problem to have. But um, it 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 is harder to be smart when you you know when you, when you yeah. have too much. And we had so many good projects come forth. And I think by and large that we did that well, or it appears I should say is that yeah. we've done that. All well. right, Mara goes first on the misses. The misses, the misses for me are if we pass. So right now the. Um, targeting of transgender kids and their playing sports is sitting on a reading calendar and it's currently circled, but we know it's being talked about and it will be a huge miss if Utah joins the um, vitriol against a very small number of people who are children who have never done anything. And I think in a state like Utah, who who often leads with their religion, I would just say that God supports the oppressed. And so, what does circled mean for people who don't hang on the hill and like to listen to <laughs> us? So, you know, in the, in the Senate, you have to go through several reading calendars. And part of um, what happens is sometimes they'll circle a bill, which puts a hold on it, which puts a hold, a hold on its pattern. discussion. It's just, Yes. Now, sometimes that could be death. I mean, often mm-hmm. uh, often the read is, oh, you have 
you've been nicely told no, <laughs> but every once in a while, it does mean people are conferencing about it. It does mean that that you're close to getting it passed, but maybe a one or two lines need to be changed, or there's a number that needs to be changed. So in this, I'm hoping it was a nice death mar- march, but I'm not sure if it is. Another miss for me is we um, funded all day kindergarten, but I don't want people to miss sort beyond of. sort of right, like it, the the the. The list will read that we passed all day kindergarten and it got funded. It really only got funded at a nominal level. And I think that in a year where we have that, it was a miss to not fund all day kindergarten at a higher level. So those so were, people are looking at the numbers. I think you said there was $90 million originally. That's what right. It was and, a and it sort of ended at 18 or $19 million if I remember right. So more kids will have the opportunity, but not all kids. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And finally, for me, I think it was a... Well, I see this. I'm going to double back. I'm going to I, since I'm in the miss category, I'm going to give like six negatives. I think it was a miss to even have a voucher bill, and it was a hit that it got buried pretty quick by a pretty diverse coalition, including the um, Eagle Forum, which was not supportive of the Hope Scholarship voucher bill. That surprises me, and I know you supported the Hope Scholarship, which I is sure really do. just a voucher. Was the Hope Scholarship names like a rebranding kind of when we went from Kentucky Fried Chicken to KFC, where we felt like <laughs> oh, for some it, it might be. Me now. Yeah. It is. It's probably to the core of what it, it's meant to be. It's yeah. supposed to help fund students and not necessarily systems. I thought there was an interesting. I look education enjoyed a historic year of uh, public education enjoyed a historic year of funding so it's not one's being ignored while one's being focused on there are a lot of frustrated parents uh, over the last uh, two to three years of the school years that we've had uh, there are people that are looking for different options for their students or and for their kids uh, and how the education's delivered and uh, that this was supposed to be a flexible voucher and that it could be for tutoring it could be for uh, different things that a that a family would determine that would be in the best interest of their child in term and their education. It could it, the last version of that bill because the usual argument against it is you can't take money away from public education, which is not, and they argue it's underfunded. But by mm-hmm. the way, fifty states will argue that their education system is underfunded without regard to what that number is. So I sometimes that's a circular argument, but. The argument has been that you can't take away from that system to, to fund a voucher because you're taking you're, you're hurting the public education system that the kids that are staying in it are going to receive. This this la- the last bill had an amendment that if the student exercised the voucher, the funding for that student would still go to the public school. Mm. So if you had the money that would go to the, to the school without the student, that would be more funding for that for the education system. And so the argument that you're hurting public education was gone. And yet, even with that change, it did not receive the support. So there's always this good reasons and real reasons. This boils down to a turf battle. Right now, public education, they fund 97% of school-aged children in the state of Utah because we don't have as many private schools, parochial private schools. And there is a belief that this, this turf of 97% of the kids they don't want any less than 97% to be inside our public schools. And they and that's turf they don't want treaded on. And that's because once you can get more money for the school, if they, if the student doesn't go, I, I don't th- – that argument about underfunding the I school is gone. I think you need to work on public sentiment. A lot like I think the Supreme Court, while they make um, good judicial decisions, yeah. I sometimes think those judicial c- decisions come when they know that – the American public is ready for it. Yeah, so and I thought, and I really thought Utah this was, ready. I thought this was the year. I thought there was a lot of frustration where there, this would be a year where that would happen. And I was yeah, wrong. Yeah, I mean, this is an old school. This is a blunt object.
individualized attention if your school's not doing what your student needs to do and how do parents. It, I think that problem is worthy. And I think this is like all a 1987 solution. And so it feels old. I will say who joined Greg in um, supporting the bill was the religious parochial affiliated school I am with. And I have never seen them lobbying anything. And I got email after email telling me to really? go all in on the really? Hope Scholarship. Good. So they too, this religious institution, was very excited to receive so, taxpayer so let dollars. Me, let, me, let, me float, <laughs> let me float something by your listeners. Because you, if okay. anyone listening to this podcast, I think they like, to deep, they like a deeper dive into politics oh, yeah. and issues, okay? That's what we're going to say. So I'm going to, since we're on the topic of religion, everyone in public schools and public education will admit the fact that you have LDS, Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, have seminary buildings across the street from their high schools. Which is very and that Which is very unique to our state. And that there are a portion of, of students who go for a period of their school day, some number of those students that go there, instead of staying inside the school, has saved public education hundreds of millions of dollars. So in other words, if you wiped out seminary buildings and said, we're not doing it anymore, there would be a fiscal impact to public education because those students that don't have a classroom or a teacher in front of them that go to the seminary would be full-time back into the public school. If we know that there would be a hit financially to our public schools if you ended the seminaries, then why would it not be a continued benefit for public education if it was just more than one seminary class? If it was that that student went all day to a different school instead of just one period to the seminary? It's math. It really do, It really is. that you, you will not find one public school that would want you to, to get rid of seminary, be, not because they like the religious instruction, but because of the fiscal hit it would have on public education. I think it's negligible. I mean, you're talking about square footage and a rotation in a student's schedule. So you're I, acting you like You ask them it if is, it's negligible. It's act, not. You, it's a but, big number. I mean, we can absorb that. I don't think, I do not think the state of Utah is being floated by the seminary system. Yeah, I didn't and say I, it's I, wholly dependent on it. I said it's like a $200 million statewide hit. And I it's think a we've big used it. I think we've this, used this mixing, which one could still argue shouldn't be the premise, but we've used this mixing to our advantage. But I think to say it's what's propping up the system, no. I mean, I, I didn't mean, say it's propping like, it up. I'm just saying if you can, if you can that acknowledge big. that it would have a hit negatively if it wasn't there, how can we not acknowledge it would be a benefit if if it, if it was more than just one period? If it was a, the school instead of the class, if there's a hit negatively back to the school if you ended it. If you had the school, the student going to more than one class, why isn't that a benefit? It I, is an interesting concept. I'm going to look into this a little more. You may have opened my mind slightly. I'm telling the you. Mara's I'm, I'm not. Think I'm not about it's math. I'm uh, telling you, it works. Math. The math works. I am not a math major, though. Did you have any misses, Greg? Well, like, not the, any, like the, multiple the, the, wives, but actual look, that Hope misses. Scholarship that I just spent all that time praising and thinking this that was, was its moment. That was your big miss. 22, out of 75 members in the House that only received 22 votes, I was very, very disappointed by that. That was a big miss. I'm glad, actually, they had the debate. I'm, I'm glad that bill didn't stay circled and unknown. I think there ought to be transparency on where lawmakers are on that issue, but I was surprised at, at its lack of support. Can I bring up one interesting bill that we don't have to talk about it and then one late breaker today? <laughs> no, let's do it. So one interesting bill. I have always found it really interesting that Utah is sort of the homeland of alternative medicine. And it's always live hand in glove. When I brought this up with someone the, up the other day, they 
mentioned that apparently Joseph Smith liked alternative medicine. I don't know. I'm speaking a little out of school here. But <laughs> the shroom bill, the magic shroom bill, got sent to study. So we are going to study psychedelic mushrooms oh, in That's an interim the committee. The Isn't it interesting, though? I'm just oh, saying I on. find this so interesting. This is just, I mean. Oh. I'm with you, Greg. But apparently Southern Utah, St. George, has become quite a mega center for having ex- exploration via psychedelic oh. mushroom. So we have sent that to an interim committee. And we have a group of psychologists, psychiatrists, medical doctors who are going to study the medical effect of the mushroom. So I'm just throwing that out of this. I think it is interesting, but what I generally think about alternative medicine, which I think I've kind of like... You're more into herbs? Yeah, I'm into more herbs and like let thy food be thy medicine and their medicine be thy food kind of thing. I've never thought about magic mushrooms, but admittedly... I I don't even know if I can say these things out loud, but there's someone I know that I'm friends with whose husband works in a field that it would not be acceptable. You can imagine what field this would be um, to admit that you have mental health problems or and right. it, it could be bad for your record, bad for your job. And this person, I don't know if they do it now, but they have in the past treated themselves with magic mushrooms. It deals with their problems. They feel better again for a few months until they have to take another week off work and do magic mushrooms. I so just maybe I think we're going to hear help? about it more. It feels crazy, though. <laughs> so who who would have thought of all the states when we have not like gone for the recreational mar- marijuana, yeah. that all of a sudden we're like Have you ever heard someone who's like subscribed to this and what they go through and what they experience? It is crazy town. I'm like telling psycho. you, it's like weird. You might need someone like out Outside the locked door, where right? You're doing you need yeah, to. Well, it's, so one thing I'll give this: it is a bipartisan experience. Like it's all. Oh, it's please. interesting. It's interesting who is into this. It's anyway. So that's one thing I'm just going to say. Past and is is being explored. It's an interim the study. second thing it's today, the land of misfit I know, bills. but it's like money being spent on it, though, right? <laughs> How much are we spending on this? I don't know what the fiscal. Well, I think it's just a. No, I it's think just they have to study it in put together a study kind of, a of professionals. Punt. And they really emphasized in the bill the. Um, science medical part. I'm, I'm just sharing with you what the bill said. And so I think mm. that's really interesting. The other thing is I always like to see, Greg knows this is better than I do, but always on the last day, there's one or two super quirky issues that get really hot because you're running out of time. I don't know that they're- and everyone's tired. Import, and they're grumpy Bulls, and yeah. like they just, I don't know that they even- deserve the airtime. It's just that it's so tense. So today what I hear that is just like wrangling, ranking everybody in the hallways is this bill about having a, I'm going to get it wrong, having a secondary licensing um, category from massage therapists. So you wouldn't have to do as many hours as a regular massage therapist. You would be like a massage therapist assistant or something, and you could do less hours. It is a battle royale right now. And isn't it interesting? I just want to point out the ebb and flow. Like there are people really, and so from what I understand, the sides are sort of- Well, we don't have enough massage therapists. We got to create another category. I just am saying it's the heated issue right now. people who want to work in it, they don't want to put in as many hours, probably. Against the schools. So the schools who are, you're doing lots of hours versus the people who want to do a little less. So that seems to be a hot issue. I'll just say this. That is actually just an example of a broader issue that comes up every legislative session. And that is healthcare delivery or- licensed yeah. practice, whatever it is that the that the state says, this is the license and these are how many hours you have to go through it. But particularly in this health and wellness space, yeah. these turf wars are, are intense. They are more cruel and, and more contentious than Crips versus blood. I mean, the, bloods, these, <laughs> these things are wars. You take registered nurses versus physician assistants. They will 
they would they go at each other's off. throats. You go ophthalmo- ophthalmologists, what are they called? Ophthalmo- ophthalmologists. Ophthalmologists yeah. versus optometrists. Yeah. Th- they're Another fighting. Bill. I mean, yeah. I'm talking, it's they'll go, they're going to, they, they, they're going to physically fight each other up I in know, that Capitol seriously. Hill. I know that when I go get my hair, like get a blow, I, I was going to say a blow, that was the wrong term, a blow, blow out, a blow out, a blow out. I want that person licensed. Yes. Just kidding. I don't care. But, um. <laughs> But these are things, and when you think about massage therapy, there's people who can go in there and really probably do good medical things. To I don't make even you want to license one like the way and they do it now to be. I someone don't who just like squishes your fat around and like. Jeez. I'm speaking for myself. I just don't like. I just don't even like. <laughs> Sorry, the topic. I didn't mean to make this go off the rails. But I just like it, it's interesting what gets heated. Greg's totally right. These well, someday someone should line up though the requirements because they're all over the place. Like wasn't it a couple of years ago that people who cut hair stylist had to oh yeah it was like 12 years you of college couldn't braid and then hair. something else yeah. i mean i like- have the straight-faced <laughs> argument that it is it is dangerous for your health if you have someone that hasn't doesn't have a license in cosmetology to braid your hair because they'll make it too tight and it'll just disconnect the blood the blood flow to the to the you know the hair follicle or whatever and it's all going to fall out if you braid hair without a cosmetology license you're you're, I miss you're the gonna 80s where we people go are gonna store. walk around bald my mom that's the argument perms in our basement mm-hmm. it looked like my mom with me the a perm fumes in my basement. i'm yeah. telling you everybody fights over this stuff it's a never-ending battle so it's it looks like war. things are also taken care of i'm hearing over and over that we may not make it till midnight um the volume was heavy but not usual i mean they weren't scrambling around today in fact they delayed some floor time um it felt kind of managed to me greg managed chaos it's fast things are moving quickly but it doesn't seem some just seem like they have impossible hills to climb and that they won't even make it till midnight i think you know they were they were keeping up with each other's bills so remember this is the day that they send bills back and forth a lot and it seemed like both houses were keeping up with the bills and has the vaccine passport made it across the finish line after the um early craziness this week i haven't even looked at what number that was if it passed i think it's 313 look it up this um, i'm not sure oh no wait that was a different bill um yeah. but anyhow i need to see where that one went I Ho- house wanted the- that to go back to its uh, substitute i think second substitute yeah. that they sent it to the senate with and then the senate would like to keep it sixth or seventh substitute whatever one they substitute mm-hmm. into so there's some uh, philosophical issues between the two mm-hmm. but i think something will pass it's just a matter of which version? Were they being too heavy-handed? I didn't even see what happened. 100%, the guy was yes. wearing a sticker that said, "Was it vote no or vote yes?" Vote yes on HB sixty was the was the sticker. I um, felt a little psycho to me. Uh, I don't know it, what he the said. The first three words of the preamble of the of our Constitution, "We the people," was on the T-shirt that the man was ordered to leave the the uh, committee room having we- while he was wearing it. I, I felt. I, look, I actually the chair of that Senate committee, Senator Dan McKay, is a friend of mine. I watched that, and I, I don't know that he would recognize him. I think this is a long session. I think they got to get out of here today, and they got to be done. Someone's going to put an eye out. Someone's going to. I mean, this this plane's got to land. <laughs> Nerves are frayed. Uh, stress must be so high. That that committee was a disgrace. I I'm sorry, it was bad. But I don't think that Dan would recognize himself uh, on day one of this session. But to see himself on day forty two running a committee you like have that, to, you have to also hold the the crowd accountable. 
we're getting really obnoxious with each other. We got to figure out a way to well, not. You're right, Mara. You know? We just have to figure out a way to go back to good old fashioned. Some of the public are trying to weaponize public hearings in yeah. a way to shut down business, yeah. and that's and you can't have that. But I don't think and that, that may was have been the case. Happening. I didn't see. Now, it wasn't the case in this one. In fact, they had they were in a recess when this thing went off right, the rails. But there was chanting earlier, and there was. Yeah, but, but they a recessed bunch of to have theatrics. give people an opportunity to take the stickers off, and most were taking their stickers right. off. They were in a recess, but there were some that were loud and vocal about complaining about having to do that. Like no one. They were in recess anymore. We got to cut that out. <laughs> All I know is, and I don't know if this, I've heard this secondhand, but the gentleman that they arrested, they charged with a class B misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just hope that's dropped. And I hope that we're just, we're going to just lower the temperature. Let's let, let the public hearings come. Let's have them. You're going to have people very passionate about issues. That's why the troopers were in attendance. But I would hope no one would have to be straddled with a class B misdemeanor for at least what I saw. I've seen some, some public hearings where people are, uh, gluing crazy. themselves to the wall and defecating inside the building. And there's some crazy things that have gone oh. on. That's not what okay, happened. I want to finish. Hearing. I have a question for Greg. Yes. Hughes. So yesterday the big bill comes out, right? $25 billion is in our budget. Yes. There's a really interesting marker in there and I don't know what it's about. So there's a $1 billion infrastructure that's going to UDOT that has very little information about mm. it. And Greg's in the super no. <laughs> I'm not suspect of it. I trust UDOT and I trust the bill of bills and I trust infrastructure. Trust but what no is one. that money going to? Uh, very good causes. <laughs> I knew you knew what to go. Yeah, like uh, it's words. It's a I, billion I dollars. That, yeah, it's transportation. You'll like see. what kind of transportation? Give us some words well, to I go with that, that. Well, I, I think that why you saw it, uh, not not prescriptive, but you saw that UDOT's, you're seeing that, that money set aside, is that there's a programming list. And this allows for lit construction projects, road construction projects that are on the list, and they're kind of scheduled out over a number of years. Uh, this allows for existing projects to be uh, started sooner and uh, to be able to get through that list in a, in a quicker way. Than like the, they're going to bump up our potholes yeah. or something bigger? Yeah, bigger. Now, they want uh, deta- the, the, no detail so that they can speak to well, me. Well, here's the not- problem politically. When you get details, yeah, right, then you start I, getting right. regional and you start getting right. into these, you know, gotcha. you know it, it just becomes, it becomes more, not poor because we need infrastructure everywhere, but if you just empower our state, our departments to get this right, get these roads right, I think there's this belief that they can get that programming list and start getting and notching down those projects are already on there and they've gone through the scrutiny get them done faster and not have kind of the provincialism that comes with the legislative process about which region which area I've just never who has seen the it most done votes. this way it's a, it was a big line item yeah. with not a lot of words attached yeah. Yeah. and we're so out of time but i do have a quick question that maybe you guys can give some clarity on because i have not been up at the hill but just starting yesterday i started hearing rumblings and sort of meetings off the campus of the Hill, uh, people talking about House Bill 440, and this is funding for homelessness, but part of that bill would be that um, Salt Lake County would have to pick an overflow shelter if they didn't within a certain amount of time. The state would do it for them, and that was just one piece of a much larger bill. Mara, do you know much about this? Because it seems like there is some backdoor dealings and squawking and not happiness about what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this is chapter 27 in the saga of um, bureaucracy in our homeless situation. So what's frustrating to me is the number of homeless people we have and people who are experiencing homelessness are small enough to solve the problem. We continue to pass the ball around on who's taking the lead. And that's fair to some degree. It's a multi-jurisdictional issue. It's a multi-agency issue. I'm not trying to oversimplify it. 
But I think you're right. This is just another chapter of slight confusion, people not wanting to take responsibility. Um, we definitely need more facilities applied. When when Ben McAdams and um, Greg Hughes made a run at it, mm-hmm. one of the things that they wanted were more facilities, and that only got half done. And half done things exacerbate problems. Um, I'm not. That's not an accusation. I think everyone has that same assessment. And uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate that we want to put more money. But what I haven't seen is more defined leadership, and that continues to frustrate me. So the the um, the structure of the whole pro- the resource centers, that they weren't called shelters on purpose. Resource centers were meant to help get like people in stone. and through. This wasn't your permanent address. This wasn't just the, the place you can live uh, because they knew that the beds, the, the, the number, the capacity of each of these resource centers was highly negotiated and there were MOUs and signed agreements and they, they wanted the pressure. Um, and when I say they, right. I'm talking the state, the city, the, uh, the service providers, the pressure of having to help people and move them successfully through to self-reliance because they knew there'd be people behind them that would need help. The tragedy of that model that I just described is it never it was never funded that way. It would take some high, a higher level of funding of how to help people individually like that uh, that it never received. It received the funding that would be the equivalent of a shelter. Now, because they didn't do it that way, now because they're crowded, and especially when the winter months and the cold months come, and you're not moving people through. They just need to warehouse people. There, yeah, and so the, the worst part about that bill for me, I understand the motivation. I do think there needs to be an overflow shelter, particularly in the, in the cold months. But if you go above those negotiated cap- capacity numbers in those resource centers and you get more and more people, it is mu- it's what I've seen that the anonymity and not knowing who people are is where the wolves sneak in. It's where the people that prey on those that are vulnerable come in to sell drugs, the human trafficking, the drug trafficking. They thrive in an atmosphere of large numbers and anonymity. And that's what they're going to introduce to every one of these resource centers is anonymity if they just keep, if they push it 35% over their, their the allotted number that they have right now. The individualized care becomes that much harder when you yeah. get the numbers that high, and it and it works absolutely against the the model that we were hoping yes. to arrive at, which was individualized care. So I'm I'm it's it's a frustrating area. It feels like we're back policy. to bean counting and yeah. arresting our way out. Instead, I hate of, the other thing is this has beings. been exacerbated in part because of people living on the margins who have lost their homes because of COVID difficulties. Those, while technically they are homeless, they're, they they. They need very little help to be lifted out. And and I'm not sure why we continue to take a circular bureaucratic point of view. People that are experiencing homelessness are not in a very good place. I mean, by, by just circumstance. It's not the idea that if you have wolves, predators, cartels that get to, to profit on people's misery, to self-medicate in a time where you find yourself with no other option but to go to a resource center, you are highly vulnerable to be to start self-medicating yeah. and in as that Greg moment. said they're also not a monolith not, they're yeah. different so i think heidi you brought up well that uh, this is i think a rare uh agreement spot yeah that we're Greg gonna and ru- I ruin our street credit about we, just i know because much. the frustration level and it, it it shows even in the frustration level of not even understanding what the point and goal of the bill is yeah, but i don't want to endowed as to what was trying to be decided yeah, on. and i don't want to endow in indict anyone's intent everyone's trying to solve it right it's not i'm not criticizing the people but i am saying one of the things i we I, we have taken an, an exceptionally bureaucratic kind of whiny point of view about this and we need some strong Look, decisive I, just moves. so you know i spoke with the bill sponsor about this today 
Elison? Yes, Representative Elison, yeah. who's a good friend of mine, and, and I, I saw him today, and I expressed the, the concerns I've shared just now on, on the program. But, but what he's saying, and, and it is, they just, what do you do when the right. weather gets cold, cold and there's nowhere for someone yeah. to go? And people cannot walk perpetually. You can't have, you cannot enforce your... You can't loiter or you can't There's camp. There's no doubt we if, need more facilities. If, if they have nowhere to go. And so he's he's not wrong yeah, that we have right. a problem. But what we really have to do is people, there needs to be an overflow shelter built. And people are afraid because of wherever that overflow shelter would go, the community around that area will lose their minds. Yeah. And nobody wants that political blowback. Well, I got to tell you what. You got to go do that. It's 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 uncomfortable. It's unpopular. But I don't know what you do otherwise. But if you just decide to stack them all deep and these so-called resource centers are not resource centers anymore. They're just warehouses. We have to and get back to coupling services. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk more about this next week because I think there's going to be some surprise bills that sneak through that we're going to have to talk about and some bills that might need some fixing after they've been passed. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Greg, take pictures of your fun party tonight. Okay, <laughs> I'll do that. Mara, if you sneak in too, get a picture of that. All right. I'll All put right. your name at the door. Thank you. Okay.